A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. 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 Ish. What just happened? Hey guys, welcome back. I know it's been a long time, but this is Swiftish, and I'm Shelby, and I am Ashley. Yes. <laughs> It's been a we long got time. It. I know. It's been a long time coming. Um, <laughs> we had high hopes to talk about, to debrief after Houston shows. But then I feel like my sister was in town. Someone got sick. My daughter was sick. Like everything went wrong for the last three weeks. Yeah. But really we were just waiting for Taylor to, to, to give yeah. us some tea. <laughs> a whole week. It's she like in, delivered. This past week I've been like you can't see it, but I have like invisible scars. Yeah. Just like hot scalding tea being thrown yes, in my face. Exactly. It oh. really was wild because I I was talking about some of it on PS You're Wrong yesterday. Yeah. And Matt was like, How long has it been since Red Taylor's version came out? And I was like, Oh, it was November. And I was like, No, it was November of 2021. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, I feel like so much, like nothing has happened for so long and then suddenly it all like I mean, we did get Midnight's and yeah. we did get the tour. Well, so I just mean, yeah. <laughs> like there's been stuff and we did get a breakup. There's just been like, I feel like overwhelmingly amount of Yes, it shock. was like, it was like boop, boop. And now it's like boop. Yeah, and if it was just uh, what we've all been expecting, that would be one thing. But then yeah. there's been like other things, and it's been <laughs> it's been stressful. It's been I know. I, I think I've gone gray a little bit over this. Not a daughter, not IVF. It's all been the past week. Yeah. Well, what's been making me gray is the Maddie Healy yes. rumor. Yes. Mm. I feel like I've talked about this before, but I don't like him. It's we like, talked about it a little bit, and I haven't really gone into much detail. Like, I haven't looked into him. And I know, like, you've been, ugh. So tell me, like, as we all know, y'all, um, so he's been touring with 1975, so 1975, and yeah, he was, I think, in the Philippines this weekend. And um, he looked into the camera, like, and mouthed, this one's for you. You know who you are. I love you. And then he flew 20 hours to Nashville and opened up with his best friend, Free- Fee- Freebie, Phoebe, <laughs> uh, at the Eras Tour. And then I think at that same show, Miss Taylor Swift mouthed to the camera, this one's for you. You know who you are. I love you. To Carmen. And then yeah. the internet went wild. Yeah. Well, they, the, like, Not the first time, though. The Daily Mail had like broken that they were supposedly dating and wildly mm-hmm. in love. And I was, like, immediately, like, um, oh, whatever. Like, it didn't seem legit. Like, they've been friends. Like, she's saying at his concert, she sang Antihero for the first time at a show. Famously, she may have made out with a certain blonde at his other show mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2015. And she and him sparked dating rumors earlier, like in 2014 or whatever, when yeah. 1989 was coming out, because she went to one of his shows, wore his merch, he wore her merch, and this was mm-hmm. before she started dating Calvin. Supposedly, some people think they did date briefly. Other people are like, no, they were only ever just friends. Um, I mean, he did say like, oh, I would never date date her in oh, so yeah. many words, and that, that <laughs> really funny. made a lot of Swifties very upset and maybe then he kind of like backtracked on that and maybe i just remember that and i've just resented him nope. ever since he did yeah. yeah but no he's just like he just gives me the ick like he's just well he's did you just gross did you me. see that i'm this is just recirculating but he was like performing with his band and he had said he was starting to say something like oh, i'm yeah. not racist and then his band cut him he's off like and not to be see, racist and then you could see him mouth being like uh I wasn't going to say anything racist. <laughs> and it, and it, so he just like, he seems to be a bit problematic. He was in an interview with a, with a, a woman and she asked a question. I don't remember what it was, but he was like, Oh, this seems weird to be coming from you and insinuate that the way she was dressed. It was just an interesting, like she wasn't yeah. she was dressed to be asking that, that uh, caliber of a question. And yeah, he's just no, he's weird. just kind of misogynistic and he's definitely taken a turn. I think when 1975 first started, he was very much like, 
oh, I'm only going to perform at festivals where 50% of the performers are women or like, you know, like, mm-hmm. like talking about equality. A lot of his songs, a lot of their songs do reference like issues and uh, social concerns. But over the last couple of years, he's just become like this kind of bro-y, misogynoir, like he's following like the Andrew Tates and kind of like making jokes that don't feel like they are really valuable like mm-hmm. he once threw up a nazi salute at one mm-hmm. of his concerts and like yes. said oh i was making fun of kanye and it's like well you still did a nazi salute yeah <laughs> and he also like used the george floyd protest like he said something like standing up for it but then link to his song and people were like why are you yeah. promoting your own song and he's like, oh, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean it's it like, like that. It's just yeah, like, like, my song has parts <laughs> of, it, of this situation that I want to relay. I'm like, yeah, he's like, hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag yeah. check out my music. Um, so yeah, I just don't like him. And I frankly would be shocked if Taylor, like one, I understand like rebounds. I understand being flirty and 30 and thriving. Like I can understand her dating again especially if the rumors of them breaking up like two or three months ago are mm-hmm. more realistic than three weeks ago but the idea of her saying i love you on stage to him just i wonder <laughs> if they are actually just collaborating on a song on speak now and that's maybe yeah. a lyric and maybe you know just maybe there was a certain article where i it was an article in an interview where they asked diana argon oh, yeah. you know about the rumors that she was dating Taylor yes. and from Red and maybe Tree was like, whoa, we need to get that out of the spotlight. Let's get something more cringe. <laughs> Not that Diana dating Taylor's cringe. Let's get something cringe out there. Yeah. That will Distract. get people talking. <laughs> yes. And Matt point. Healy was raising his hand. <laughs> he thinking, loves I, a good controversy. <laughs> yes. I will be here. But like, yeah. it's also like, yeah, they probably have, Joe and her probably were broken up a lot longer than than when we found out. But I'm still like, whoa, like Taylor, you're dating again. And it's in public. You were not public mm-hmm. with anything with Joe. And then yeah. you and Joe officially announced, well, it's leaked that you guys are broken up. And yeah. then we see so many photos of you. We, we hear rumors of you dating a NASCAR driver, Dylan O'Brien, <laughs> now Matt Healy, and you're out and you're about – and I'm just like, I can't take it. I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel like it would give me pause if she was to jump into a full-blown public relationship mm-hmm. after six years of saying, like, one, being inspired by this guy to write six albums worth of music, but two, mm-hmm. being so outspoken about your privacy and your, your approach to um, what the public deserves to know. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I was kind of like, there were some paparazzi photos of them supposedly driving to her Nashville apartment together, but it was hard to tell if that was him or just a shadowy Well, like, Dylan O'Brien was photographed coming out of her apartment, yeah. too. So, like, yeah. can she have guys who are friends? Yes. Can't Could there have been more than one person in that car? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did we just That's see two true. silhouettes in a very darkened SUV? <laughs> Yes. Um, did Jack Antonoff reconnect them and are they dating? I don't know. Like I know. I don't know. I and know. I guess it, we're getting we're forgetting the the Taylor before she was dating for six years and all the rumors of who yeah. she was dating and what yeah. she was doing. But she is really giving us stuff to talk about and is really heavily leaning on these rumors. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's interesting to because she'll like say like, "Oh, I don't Google myself," but it's like, well, you control like what stories get out there, and like you're not walking in a box, and like you know, like there's mm-hmm. there's definitely a detapping on her personal life that I'm curious to see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was also a wild week because of the Nashville shows, and everyone mm-hmm. was all eyes on it because that's her city, like that's where she became herself. Yeah. That's, like, famous for some of the big moments on her past tours. Um, And she didn't disappoint. A lot of moments. We had, had, um, let's work backward, Sunday. Four hours of people sardined in a stadium waiting for her to continue the show. What do you think of that? Do you think she should have canceled? I think that the Swifties would have been very upset. People, People stuck around for four hours. Yeah. 
and they they wanted to. The thing is, is that it's such a highly anticipated door that's like, if she would have canceled, because I think she was halfway, not halfway through her set, but she'd already played some songs and had to cancel it. I no, thought, no. So they oh. hadn't because I the openers had played. Maybe? No, the openers didn't play, oh. and that's the other thing. Is like people were there for the mm. openers, and they there was a lightning warning, and everyone had to go inside. Yeah, and so then it was delayed for four hours, and then there were no openers, obviously, because mm. you can't like have a. You know, she performed till two thirty in the morning. Maybe she felt pressured to perform because people were still there. It wasn't like it was like, hey, yeah. I'm going, I'm going home, but people, yeah. People stuck it out. And so you know, she stuck and it's, it out. it's interesting too because Nashville had a rain show last year, I think. Or maybe it was Gillette. But she it was Gillette. Because I was yeah, at so there's last like year, or last year. There's like a love for rain shows in her fandom. So I think there's also that excitement. But this is like a torrential downpour. I've always been like, I want to be at a rain show. Like there was possibility of a you know, showers in Philly. Yeah. I'm all there. And now I'm like, no. Absolutely not. And especially since she starts her three hour set at like 10 30 p.m. or whatever. Yeah. It's like wild. And then on top of it, you see the horror stories of these people just like, yeah, like you said, sardined into this very tiny covered space and they're like fainting, they're dehydrated, they're like Mm -hmm. standing for four hours and then going to a concert. So it seems pretty wild. I think it's definitely expensive for an artist to. One, cancel, but also to reschedule because rescheduling something of that size, like she said before, it takes a lot of time to mm-hmm. find an opening on a stadium like that. So I'm sure there was like, ugh, you do not want to cancel. And especially since she has such a track record of always showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, She's only canceled sense, one show her whole yeah. career, I've, I've heard. I well, read in Lover Fest. Well, I know. We'll sweep that under the table because everybody had to. She Yeah. Five shows. Five shows. Yeah. So So, I'm glad people had fun at it, but I don't know if I would have made it. I know. I would have been tired. I would have been exhausted. What it wasn't this show, but I think it was the night before. I, I I'm very interested in your I think it was Saturday show. Tell me how you're feeling about this, because on TikTok, all I've seen on TikTok are like people just like aghast and just appalled and thinking it was uh, in bad light to do this. But during Marjorie, there was a Swifty who had gathered an army of Swifties to hold up a picture of Taylor Swift's grandma. And then it had like hashtag Marjorie project and then had their handles on it. Um, And Taylor Swift, like you can see that she was like, oh, like surprised and happy. And then she kind of like started crying a little bit afterwards and before she started into her Marjorie speech. And she's like, you guys, you guys, you guys. And then so many people on TikTok are like, that was just in bad taste. That was terrible. <laughs> and you put your your uh, Instagram handle on it, like yeah. the nerve. <laughs> what, what's your opinion on this? Like, it, was it in poor taste? Do you think it was terrible or? I don't know. I, I feel like is as soon as she was excited about what happened in Miami, which was where everyone suddenly pulled out their cell phone lights. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the spontaneity of that was immediately going to be not monetized, but sort of standardized by fans hoping for the same sort of shout out and experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Would I have done it? No. (laughs) If someone handed me a photo of Marjorie and like wanted me to hold it up during the song, like it didn't give me, it didn't make me like, queasy at all to see mm. it at first i think people like to be outraged on tiktok well, especially the people on tiktok are like you're, you're holding up pictures of her dead grandma yeah <laughs> and if it was legitimately like the corpse of her dead grandma <laughs> right. yes but it was like the headshot of her yeah grandma. it's something she's shared yeah it's photos yes. that she's celebrated before and i think mm-hmm. for a lot of people that song does touch on something real which mm-hmm. is like you know it, it it's not like it is celebrating this woman. And I think in that sense, it makes sense more than like holding up a picture of like someone who died and from a disease or war or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I don't and- know. It, I don't want it to continue to be a thing. Like I think people have to let the Marjorie projects die because it's just mm-hmm. like, you can't force these moments. And if you keep doing it, Taylor's not going to be, she's not going to be as moved ever again because she's already seen it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's not going to be as react as, as much yeah. as she did. And, like, putting their handles on it, 
I'm kind of yeah. like, well, is Taylor ever going to really see that? Like, yeah. she's not like, oh, okay, that says Swiftish podcast. I'm going right. to, like, she's, and like, I'm sure that if they leave them at the stadium, they're just going to get thrown away. Yeah. Well, and I just think we witnessed the madness around like the fervor to get noticed by TN, like during Reputation, where everyone's mm-hmm. like, I'm in Rose section, blah, 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 blah. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm used to thirsty Swifties. Like, I don't fault them. I, mm-hmm. I'm i past that personally, but it's like, I get it. Like, you know, you're excited about your community and like if that's a way or a chance or a dream, no matter how outrageous or maybe self-centered it might seem to others, it's like, don't yuck someone's yum, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially it was like, like harmless. Taylor wasn't – someone was like, oh, Taylor felt like she had to react like that. I'm like, no. <laughs> Did you talk to Taylor? I was like – How do you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. But – I mean, the bigger news. The exactly. biggest. Yes. The thing we've been waiting for. Yes. Um, speak Now, Taylor's version, finally got a release date. Yeah. I honestly never thought it would happen. I was like, she must have bought her master's. She must just mm-hmm. be – I don't know. It's interesting because she did that thing where she soft released those random four songs before tour. And one of them was one that was on the original Speak Now album. But she's like retconned it to not count because it wasn't it was it was Mm co-written. And so now it's not going to be on Speak Now TV. And she. In her post, which was very, you know, simple and short rather than some of the longer ones, she was like this it's kind of funny reading it because I'm like, girl, you only have one song from this album on your whole set list. <laughs> I know. Maybe, though, after June 7th, we'll get more on the set list, I wonder. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So she says, I always looked at this album as my album, and the lump in my throat expands to a quivering voice as I say this. Thanks to you, dear reader, it finally will be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, consider this music to be, along with your faith in me, the best thing that's ever been mine. Yes. Um, which is like, well, <laughs> you could have put mine on the set list. <laughs> exactly. And not just on like the uh, the bonus the set, set list. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She I mean, say... I, I, sorry, I, um, I was going to say, I don't think she'll change the set list because at that point there will only be like a month left of the yeah. tour. So mm-hmm. it seems kind of like, why? Exactly. But, but I'm sure she did also maybe consider not wanting to put – I don't know because I'd be like, oh, well, maybe she didn't want to highlight Speak Now songs because then people would go and listen to those and she doesn't want them to stream ones that aren't Taylor's version. But she's oh. doing that with 1999 and rap, yes. so it doesn't make and sense. and Reputation. Yeah. <laughs> and Well, she's not doing t- and Taylor Swift, so yeah. there's no debut. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no, no debut. debut. <laughs> it's a little need to worry about that. Um, yeah. Well, she did have she, – she did have that – what you had said in the picture – Yes. But she did have an Instagram caption that sparked a lot of rumors. And oh, it yeah. Says, it fills me with such pride and joy to announce that my version of Speak Now will be out July 7th, just in time for July 9th. If you know, you know. I first made Speak Now completely self-written between the ages of 18 and 20. The songs came from this time of my life where marked by their brutal honesty, unfiltered, diaristic confessions, and wild wistfulness. I love this album because it tells tales of growing up failing, oh, flailing, flying, and crashing, and living to speak about it. With six extra songs, I've sprung loose from the vault. I absolutely cannot wait to celebrate Freak Now, Taylor's version, with you on July 7th. I cannot tell you how many texts and DMs I got that were like, oh, what happened on July 9th? And I was like, <laughs> fake fans. <laughs> from people who were like, Get out of here. And I just sent them the last kiss song. (laughs) There you go. Good. There you go. Uh, Yeah. Um, But this also sparked rumors that um, Taylor Swift will be releasing a memoir on July 9th because people went to Google. They Googled July 9th because if you know Taylor, she always puts in little uh, Easter eggs, whether or not they're real or not. But in that (laughs) caption that you read, Dear Reader... And then they looked at July 9th and I think it was, oh, I, I wrote it down, but there's like a publishing company that um, has a book that's supposed to be released on July 9th and no author, no um, actual title. Yeah, no and we're supposed to get more information on June 13th. 
So people are like, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, dear reader, July 9th, Taylor yeah. Swift. And apparently July 9th is a Tuesday, I think. And it's a like Sunday. A Sunday. And our authors usually release their titles on Tuesdays. And so they're like, oh, it's going to be Taylor. And it's supposed to be from a highly anticipated uh, celebrity writing this. Yeah. But I've heard a lot of things that are like Xing yeah. it. Yeah. Like, it was very compelling to no. me. Like I used to work in publishing and it's very, 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 very hard to keep a book under wraps. Like even mm-hmm. like Prince Harry had like months of promotion. Um, Obama, you know, like these big memoirs still need runtime to get the attention. Um, so having it be such a short um, promo period, having it be so under wraps, having it be named as a celebrity memoir, it was definitely like could this be real? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think it is. I think it's probably a K-pop Trump. band. It's probably BTS, <laughs> I think is the theory because BTS, BTS. yeah, their, their like anniversary is June 13th as a band and July 9th is also like some sort of um, date for them as well. But also most compelling, um, I still me. have some friends in publishing and they asked their friends in the like finance back end part um and so they said there's a translator attached and an agent from korea so it's definitely not a u.s um original uh because again a book like taylor's even if she did try to keep it under wrap the publishing as it works now is very competitive and it would go to auction and it would at least be would have been announced even if it was like oh an anonymous book goes to auction for a very large deal and it's like two million dollars or whatever Mm -hmm. there would have been more talk about it i think and they're notoriously bad at keeping secrets so (laughs) swifties are gonna be disappointed about this yeah i mean and that's the thing too that's funny is the original like theory like you said came from a bookseller who was like we got this weird announcement like this weird explanation about a book asking if we want to pre-order it and that more information will be coming and blah 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 and so I think they were caught up in it too but that's just our own like western <laughs> self-importance I think yes. to forget about an entire I think that community of celebs tiktok and oh, he yeah. has come down. Someone like reached out to him, and they're like, "Can you please take this video down?" Yeah. So he took it down, and then he put another video up and was like, "Listen, um, if it's not Taylor, I'll refund you." And he made another video, being like, "Actually, I don't think it's Taylor." Yeah. So anyone who did do yeah. a pre-order, I'm just gonna cancel your pre-orders because I yeah. don't think it's Taylor. And then Variety came out and was like, "It's not Taylor." Yeah, which is pretty much, you know. Taylor's not going to come out and say it herself, but I think that is her team answering like directly that this is not a secret thing. And we also have to remember that Taylor is like the queen of promo, that it wouldn't make any sense for her to bury her own album in the same weekend with a new book because it's like no one would be listening to speak now. They'd all be running through this 544 page memoir to dig up tea. So yeah. It's not. <laughs> I was I was compelled. I really you was were. like, huh, that does seem sus. Yeah. But. And oh my gosh, a memoir from Taylor Swift. Oh. Yeah. I think oh. if she ever does anything like it, it would just be about her career. Like I don't think she would ever talk about any personal relationships aside from her family. Mm-hmm. I don't think she'd spill any sort of tea about her love life. I feel mm-hmm. like it would just be like, making music you know <laughs> yeah yeah and I think the only like tea she probably spilled her love life it's is how it has impacted her songwriting yeah. but yeah. it wouldn't be like it wouldn't oh, be like I lost story. my virginity to Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> everyone thinks John Mayer but Jake Gyllenhaal yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh but I am excited for speak now I um I actually like finished finalized finally oh re- um ranking all the yeah. new songs since I first published my Taylor Swift rankings three years ago. Oh, wow. And I was like ready to publish and then she's like, I have six new songs coming out. Oh, no. <laughs> so now I feel like I have to wait. I have, to, have to listen to, to them. There's and always too now, much new music. There is. Speak Now is like, so I've been a Swiftie before, Speak Now. I listened to her debut and like blasted in my dorm room. So I liked her music. I followed along. But Speak Now, that concert... That date, mm. August 6th, I'll always remember it, like, just spoke to my soul. Like, 
last kiss, bald, tearing eyes because a guy I was dating had literally driven away and <laughs> left me that day, moved to oh, Texas. No. And so last kiss was like bawling my oh, eyes out. No. So that really was like, this girl gets me. And so Speak Now was yeah. my album. I, oh, I, I will always you. claim it as like a, my album. It's just, even yeah. now, I don't care about him. He's kind of like... Looking at him, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't end up with him. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it still puts you in that 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 uh, young twenty something life. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <sighs> no, I I'm excited. It's definitely one I forget about, but when it comes on, I'm like, there's some good songs on here. Yeah. Yeah. But that seems to happen to Taylor too because she left it off of her set list almost entirely. <laughs> <sighs> she write but, a book just about that. I know. <laughs> In honor of her supposed memoir and indeed her Speak Now announcement, Mm -hmm. we thought it would be appropriate to cover Dear Reader from the Midnight's 3 a.m. version. Yes. Oh. Which I'm excited for because it's definitely one I think we both kind of breezed past when we first listened to it. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily one I even go back to now, but it is one that I've been thinking about. And I feel oh. like it's an interesting insight into her artist's brain. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, you'd think as, you know, if you're, like, producing music, which a lot of people listen to, you know, it, you, like, my husband does not pay attention to lyrics. He likes yeah. songs. I'm like, oh, do you know what this is saying? And him and maybe, like, a lot of people don't really uh, dive into lyrics and the meanings yes. behind lyrics. So I love that she knows her fan base. You know, we read into everything. Mm-hmm. And so I love this song. It's called like Dear Reader. Yeah. It's like very much she's talking to us. Who yeah. Reads I think every it's a- single thing she does. <laughs> exactly. It's very like telling that that's what she values. And I think it's a reminder mm-hmm. that this isn't so much a love of music for her as much as it is like a love of writing and storytelling. And so it is that she sees us as the people who understand that who and who aren't just here for the, for the drops and the bridges, but like we really enjoy every word and the, the lyricalism as proven mm-hmm. by the existence of this podcast. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are here. Um, but yeah, no. So this is the closing of the 3 a.m. version of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, the closer of the original is Mastermind, yeah. which I think is an interesting comparison to this. Mastermind is very confident. It's very, I'm on top of the world. I'm in control. And, you know, I'm the mastermind. And this song is much more, you know, you get that sort of anxiety, the the what would keep her up through at 3 a.m. And you get this sort of story of someone who doesn't know what advice to give or if she should even be giving any, mm-hmm. um, which is very exciting to dive into. Yeah. But is there anything else you want to say about first listen or thoughts? No, I just liked how you, how you compared Mastermind to Dear Reader because Mastermind seems like everything she's done is so um, planned out and there's a reason and just a clear uh, definition behind it. Yeah. And then Dear Reader, it's like, wait, plot twist. Oopsie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we can jump in and I can read it. (laughs) So the first verse is, Dear Reader, if it feels like a trap, you're already in one. Dear Reader, get out your map, pick somewhere and just run. Dear Reader, burn all the files, desert all your past lives. And if you don't recognize yourself, that means you did it right. (laughs) <laughs> when I first listened to this, it was like, it's like these aren't these aren't good advice. This isn't good advice, you know. I was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you're like, stop, Taylor. You're like, no, 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 don't do that. Um, it feels like, I mean, intentionally, I think it's giving like your dear Abby advice column type mm-hmm. of, you you know, you write someone a problem and they come back with your with their pithy solution, um, and. I think it to me, as I sit with it, it does feel like Taylor's sitting there trying to figure out what to tell her listeners, like trying to be like, oh, I'm 
I'm this spokeswoman, I'm this inspiration, I have this life experience I'm supposed to share. And she's trying to work out the best morsel to begin with. So it almost Uh feels like she's sitting there like scratching things out, trying again, trying to come up with something. But it also is very reminiscent of her own career. Yeah, like when she left and she just like deserted everything after um, 2016. It's just very reminiscent of that. Yeah. She you know, picked him up. She went somewhere. She just ran. She burned everything down. She died. She deserted yeah. everybody. She ghosted us all. <laughs> well, and even in like You're On Your Own Kid, she sings, I play my songs in the parking lot. I'll run away. Like mm-hmm. the way she presents that story in that song, which again is just a singular song, but it felt more like Nashville – you know, the way she presents it publicly is like, I was a girl with a dream and she was, but it's like, why'd she pick Nashville? Why'd she do that? And there is this essence of like, just picking somewhere and going, like just trying something, mm-hmm. deserting something. And I think- um, Deserting Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. And it's also interesting because um, like desert all your past lives. If you don't recognize yourself, that means you did it right. Because Taylor is so famous for her eras and she's so famous for how basically like clockwork she was doing that through her early career where it's like every two years she gets a new haircut she gets a new style and she literally like you can pick out what year it is based on taylor swift's like street outfit because it was so distinct to whatever album she was working on and while that was so interesting as the like fan and you're like yes we're onto something new it is interesting hearing her sing about it here and being like well actually that can't be that healthy right like if you don't recognize yourself, that means you're doing it right. Like, is that what we should be doing? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's, um, you kind of feel the uh, desperation in this first verse where she's like, she's like, yeah, I, I did spend my career reinventing myself every two years. I did revamp my image every chance I got. And yet the saltiness of that is kind of planted right in the beginning when she's like if it feels like a trap you're already in one Mm -hmm. and I think that's interesting too because so much of her career was romanticized like this stardom she was discovered at the bluebird cafe Scott Borchetta did everything and then she's like I think about those little moments where like on the Vogue 70 questions she's like what's your advice to new artists and she's like get a lawyer yeah (laughs) and knowing that that was like at the time when she was fighting for her masters or like facing a new um, contract with Big Machine and kind of this demystifying of her own idea of her career and just like that, I don't know, that kind of feeling trapped and feeling like it wasn't as romantic as she thought nor as she presented to us. Mm-hmm. Well, because when you think like, you, you know, when people are like seven years old and you're like, little Shelby, what do you want to be? And you're like, I want to be Taylor Swift when I grow up. Yeah. And I'm sure when Taylor Swift was like starting out her career or even like imagining being famous, you don't imagine like the le- legal problems you're going to go through, right. the the PR issues you're going to run into. Like you only like imagine like, you know, um, you think of like uh, Lucky from Britney Spears, you know, yeah, just like exactly. the, the, the photos, like she's so lucky she's a star. Like all you think of is like the money, the wealth, the fame. You don't think of the tiny little cracks in the facade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because she's like even thinking about how she talked about it in Miss Americana or in songs that have come out recently. Like it's like she didn't recognize herself. Like she literally was like, I had nothing and no one when I was supposed to feel like the most on top of the world. Mm-hmm. And so for her to then sing the chorus, which is never take advice from someone who's falling apart, never take advice from someone who's falling apart, you should find another. It's like pretty a brutal gut punch, especially after having these songs like Bejeweled, like Midnight's where you're like, yes, queen, like you got this girl. And for her to confess like, um actually I'm kind of a hot mess I think Mm -hmm. works well yeah I love it and you're also kind of like wait but I've been like 
fasting my life after all your songs yeah. and your yeah. uh, like your 30 lessons before turning 30 like should I be follow for should I be listening to this what yeah yeah it's like wait a second mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and I think it's that's interesting because I think the song something that felt like it wasn't working for me was that she felt like she was constantly contradicting herself or she was backtracking and it, and there's something confusing about it but I think that's what makes us so like rich and vulnerable and confessional is that she's admitting that she doesn't have it figured out and she is wrestling with this. Like she is like, "Ah, I want to share what I know, but I also feel like I don't have any right to because I'm a huge mess. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something we can all relate to, but obviously it's a much bigger scale for her. And I think it, I think a lot about those clean speeches during 1989, which is where she'd make a big speech, like a big inspiring speech about how no matter what you go through, like, oh, you should be so grateful because you know what that rain did? It made you clean. And like so much of that tour was about promoting an image of like, I've learned the lessons. I've grown. I'm an adult. Like take me seriously. (laughs) But isn't that so, how old was she? She was like 24. Oh yeah, totally. That's like, that was me. (laughs) Yes. When you're that age, you think you've grown because you're no longer a teenager, you're an adult, you're making your own money, your own decisions. And when you're like 35, 44, 55, you look at back all those stages and you're like, I knew nothing when I was 25. (laughs) I knew nothing when I was 25. 15, I knew it all. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, we would listen to those speeches and cry. Like, it would literally make me emotional. But then you watch Miss Americana, you watch her talk about her mental health at the time, and she was like, I was not in a good space. Mm-hmm. And so the the fact that she could inspire but also felt like a fraud is something that I think she's wrestled with throughout her career. And um, this is her kind of pulling the curtain back to say, like, listen, I – might be good with a pen like I might say some things that stick but like you gotta believe that I don't have it all figured out and like you know I might be the man but I'm also like a mess yeah (laughs) and I think that that um plays out more with the second verse um where she says dear reader bend when you snap Bend when you can snap when you have to dear reader you don't have to answer just because they asked you you should find another Dear reader, the greatest of luxuries is your secrets. Dear reader, when you aim at the devil, make sure you don't miss. Mm. Bend and snap. Bend and snap. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of when I first heard this song. And it probably took it down a peg because I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, millennial. Um, yeah. But I do I, – I like this because it feels like um, – uh, she's trying to, you know, she's sort of showing her hand like she has in her last few albums where she's like, I just realized I needed secrets again or like I was giving too much to the public. And like she's mm-hmm. echoing these thoughts that she's already professed publicly. But even in this, it's like, oh, well, this advice is a little better. But it's also like at the end of the day, you're just alone. You're just alone. Like if you took all this advice, you just aren't trusting anyone. You aren't, you aren't believing in anything. You're just alone, obsessed with, with revenge or justice or karma or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like that healthy either. I kind of like think of social media when I think of this song a little mm-hmm. bit, because you're putting your best foot forward. You're putting everything out there. Like like Taylor was, it's very like reminiscent of like influencers and people mm. who, when I'm, when I'm scrolling through my feed and I'm seeing all these people having the time of their lives and giving advice on their stories. Like I pull a lot from like Taylor too, but I'm also putting into my personal life. It's like, Oh, like don't believe everything you see just because someone's yeah. putting forward a happy face doesn't mean that they are having the time of their life. Like, yeah. It's, it's behind the walls of those secrets you don't see throughout yeah. the cracks. Yeah. And I think it is like, there is some truth here, right? You're like, oh yeah, you you know, and, and it does echo her career again, where it's like, bend when you can, snap when you have to. Like this yeah. idea of her being the nice girl and then realizing like, I don't have to be nice to someone who's stealing my my work from me or profiting from my work without giving me 
my masters or whatever. Like it's like mm-hmm. you can see the moments or like when you aim at the devil, make sure you don't miss like this sort of regret of when she tripped up or when something happened that she wasn't expecting, like getting tangled up in the phone call with Kanye or yeah. or trusting people who would betray her, you know, whether that's Carly or Scooter or Scott or Kanye or whatever. Um, but I like that she's her facade breaks here because in the midst of giving these pithy advice or um, suggestions or warnings, there's that like voice in the background that says you should find another. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's when the echo first begins. And she's like, finally admitting like, Oh, I actually don't know if you should take my word for it. Like, I actually don't think this is good advice, but she's like compelled to, kind of give it to give us. it anyways yeah. yeah these sort of digestible pieces it's such an interesting thought of the song she's like don't believe what you read don't do this don't do this don't do this and then in the background you should find another yeah <laughs> don't believe everything. it's like why am I listening to this and taking the this advice you're just kind of like well like yeah. why are you writing this yeah yeah because she then does the course again never take advice from someone who's falling apart which is like her main confession And it's sort of this, I'm not who you think I am. Like, please see me for all these, like, cracks and and flaws. Um, And I think it's interesting, too, because most songs add the detail, the honesty, the truth to verses and have, like, the shallower, like, sort of, uh, I don't know, catchy bits in the chorus. But here she's distracting us by pretending what's in the verses is the deep part, the message of the song. But actually what matters is her confession in these choruses, which is like, "Mm, never take advice from someone who's falling apart, pointing, nodding, me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) raising hand. Um, And I think it's important that the music changes at this moment too, where the energy suddenly explodes and that bridge like comes and slaps you in the face out of nowhere. There's like a franticness to it. Yeah. It's like really desperate. Like the, the image finally cracks, like the, the curtain falls and you, you finally see the, uh, the wizard for what he is. Um, But so this is what, this is what she says. And it's a lot and it's a mouthful, but I'm going to get it. She says, so I wander through these nights. I prefer hiding in plain sight. My fourth drink in my hand, these desperate prayers of a cursed man spilling out to you for free. But darling, darling, please, you wouldn't take my word for it if you knew who was talking. If you knew where I was walking to a house, not a home, all alone because nobody's there. Where I pace in my pen and my friends found friends who care. No one sees when you lose when you're playing solitaire. Really good. (laughs) It is. It's so good. And it is really happy. It makes me think like I want to know like when in her life because like you know from those thirteen sleepless nights or well not thirteen but from like sleepless nights of her career I want to know like did she write this when she was dating Joe like or was it just her reflecting on her whole career because it's such like a lonely song to me. Mm. Yeah. And in one of her speeches, I think at the Grammys, she was saying, like, thank you for Joe. I write everything for you. Um, and then you compare that to her and Miss Americana saying that she, when she turned around, there was nobody there. And that, like, that puts me into the spot of Miss Americana, that, mm-hmm. that, that feeling of desperation and loneliness and trying to search and find your place in the world. And so I'm just like, I, I don't know. And, and especially, I know I'm going all on tangents, but especially knowing that her and Joe, like, probably were on rocky edges towards the release of the nights or no yeah. edges at all. I'm just so curious because it's such a, it's such a desperate, lonely song or chorus bridge. Yeah. No, I feel like sad. this is very much like, like I think she's been able to heal her inner child or whatever, or kind of find the relationships that matter and like piece together a real life. Mm-hmm. This song feels more about her internal struggle, continual internal struggle of yeah. who she is as an artist and like what her persona is versus who she is. Like imposter um, syndrome. Yeah. Well, not even that. I think it's like like this idea of I prefer hiding in plain sight. She's like, I love doing this music. I love getting to perform. I love putting on my sparkly you know, persona and getting out there and putting giving you the songs that you chant and you sing and we 
scream the chorus and bridges together. But she's like, but this came out of cost for me. And I think that's what this song is about is like mm. not who she is, but like what she's given and yeah. if it's like worth it. And if she if she feels like she's having a net positive effect um, because it has cost her so much personally. And yeah, I just think house, this. not a home all alone yeah. because no one's there. Yeah. And even this like these desperate prayers of a cursed man spilling out to you for free. Like, it's like, that's, that's probably one of her most gut wrenching images for her as a writer, because so much of her songs are like, I love writing. Like I'm an artist, like, yes. And this is like, I'm mining my own pain for you guys. But it's not for free. But it's not for free. Like, Think yeah. of how much people pay pay for her merch, pay for her albums, pay to pay to go watch her perform, like spilling out to you for a cost. Like she doesn't <laughs> do it for free. Well, I, I think, think it's I more... think that's kind of like a a twist on it too. Like she's selling her soul. She's yeah, selling her what she could have been. She, yeah, she's for saying it doesn't it doesn't cost the listeners as much as it costs her. Like, I don't think she's talking literally, like, obviously we've funded a very nice lifestyle for her, but I think she's like, yeah, she's like saying for her, I'm writing dear John, I'm writing would have, could have, should have, I'm writing, you know, soon you'll get better. And why am I doing this? Like no one else has to go about their days, like confessing their darkest, most traumatizing moments of their life Mm -hmm. and having to like go out and pretend it's like the best thing she's ever done. You know, Mm -hmm. like I think, I think there is this moment that Taylor's wrestling with where she's like, did I give too much of myself away? And that's why folklore and evermore were so healing to her because she was able to write like fantasy again. She was able to fictionalize these stories instead of only dealing in her own heartbreak and heartache and dreams and personal pieces and it's like yeah yeah and I and I I think maybe maybe the inspiration for this song too not only her life but she (coughs) wrote those two albums and then she went back to writing these songs about her life yeah and then she's thinking about like oh it was so free and so captivating to write about someone else's lives and then going back to being like an open diary and just like cutting open my veins for you guys Yeah, she's just like this tortured artist who's like wrestling with – it's like, yeah, we could sit here and be like, well, you chose this. Like, you did this. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she's trying to say it's anyone else's fault but hers, but I think she's struggling with it is the idea of this song where it's like like an antihero, the like behind-the-scenes stuff. She talks about how her insecurity, like these doom spirals she gets in that keep her up at midnight is like, I struggle with the idea of not feeling like a person. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of – there's a lot of easy ways to roll your eyes at that because she has so much privilege. She has so much that she enjoys and celebrates. And I'm not, like, excusing her, but I also don't think she's asking for pity. I think mm-hmm. this song is shoved at the end of an album because she's like, mm, how are you guys – like, how how do I say this? Like, how are you going to take it? Like, should I be saying this? Am I a hypocrite? Am I just, like, mm-hmm. this shallow bimbo to even be trying to say, like, oh – like, it's like when she was at that concert and she played the lucky one and she's like, this is about how horrible it is to be famous. Like, she has to make herself the butt of the jokes mm-hmm. because because it is she like... She bad. Yeah, it is like a silly... It's not a real problem as far as, like, tangible human issues surviving this world go. Mm-hmm. But she is having to, like, wrestle with it herself. And I think that's a valid... Yeah, I don't know seesaw to be on as a celebrity because everyone has their own demons. Yeah, what and what spectrum of life you are, and Taylor Swift has her own demons. Whether or not like we we can't relate to them. Yeah, like if yeah. we were Taylor Swift or on her level, we could relate to them. Right. She's like she will always use her self loathing, her trauma, her life experience, and a lot of people will be like, "Stop playing the victim." Oh my gosh, you're mm-hmm. not the pro-. like whatever. And she does it great and people relate to it. You and I have songs that speak to us on a personal level. Everyone mm-hmm. has songs where they're like, Taylor Swift saved my life. And I imagine that burden feels validating, but also feels very conflicting because you're like, how could I have saved your life when I still feel like my life is freaking yeah. 
who's gonna say dog me? shit like yeah <laughs> what songs speak to her that can like yeah. really pull her out of this this funk that she's in yeah well and that's why I like this when I pace in my pen because it's like a double meaning where a pen is her tool it's her it's mm-hmm. her writing utensil it's her sitting down and spilling out these tracks but it's also a holding place it's an enclosure it's an animal feeling trapped and she's built this little cage for herself where she doesn't have a normal life but she's like trying to feel like is it enough of a life to feel like i'm living a life to give advice to people who are mm-hmm. seeking advice for their lives like i think it's just a total mind mind game for her at this point and that's why it's like no one sees you when you lose when you're playing solitaire like she's realizing like there's no one on planet earth who can relate to her Mm -hmm. um yeah and there's no one who can give her advice for dealing with this because it's like she's on another level you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I think that's depressing for her at times and obviously not every day obviously Midnight's the album is full of moments where she's in love where she's feeling good where she's feeling fly but I think her having this as the confessional ender to Midnight's is a reminder like the archer before it like um mirror ball or this is me trying like she might be a little more tortured than we've given her credit for over the course of her career mm-hmm. and she's like guys um you should find another guiding light <laughs> Like, stop listening to my music, stop screaming, just yeah. find someone else. <laughs> I know, but that's what's so interesting about the outro is because she sings, you should find another guiding light, guiding light, but I shine so bright. You should find another guiding light, guiding light, but I shine so bright. You should find another, you should find another, but I shine so bright. You should find another, you should find another. And it's a long outro and there's kind of like weird vocalizations where it is like guiding light, shine so bright, find another. And you can feel that confliction still, like this sort of like, what is the, how do I want to end this song? Am I going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? Should I stop doing, pretending I know everything? Can you just acknowledge that I don't know everything mm-hmm. so I don't have to feel this pressure anymore? Like, I think it's it's just this um, kind of brutal confession and she recognizes like why we keep coming back for more. Yeah, because she's, she's so good. <laughs> she makes the whole place shimmer. Yeah. She's just so bright. She like, captivates us all. Yeah. I wonder if the pressure is like, the pressure is on, you know. It's just like mounting and she's she's like, I, like in Sweet Nothing when she's like, and the voices that implore, I should be doing more to you, I can admit I'm just too soft for it. Like mm-hmm. I think that is where she feels herself kind of caving in is this like need to be everything to everyone. Um, and so she's like trying to pawn us off. She's like, get out of here. But then she's like, but also <laughs> like, I, still I get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like a very parasocial, probably unhealthy relationship for all of us involved. But you know, what I makes me think of you have, have you, you, I'm sure everyone's heard those, like those tales about, you know, be careful for what you wish for. Right. Like a genie comes up and says like, who do you like? give me one wish and you're like, yes. Oh, I want to have, I want to be the best singer in the world. And then there's prices to pay for it. Like either you're, everyone has a terrible voice and you have this great voice and everyone's obsessed with you. Like it, it's really reminds me of like, you can make all your dreams come true, but there's going to be cost out of, of it. And this song just screams that. Yeah. Like just talking through it. It's like, I have everything, the shining light. Everyone looks to me for advice, but like at what cost? Yeah. But I also like that it's not about her per se. It's like Mm -hmm. you guys need to understand that like I can't be your everything. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. even doing enough for myself. And so she's kind of like – she's not trying to say like pity me. Oh, like, oh, don't you know? They'll say she's the lucky one, but I feel dead inside. Like it's it's not as self – indulgent as some of the tracks before have been Mm -hmm. where it's like it feels much more like she's turning the question on us and being like I don't give good advice all the time I'm not going to be the perfect role model I cannot handle the pressure of like saving every single one of you what are you going to do about it like are you Mm -hmm. still going to show up knowing that like because that's on you then like those are your (laughs) choices like she's like I'm laying it all out for you I don't have my stuff together currently and like you're probably better off like 
valuing someone else in your life more than you value me, but like, I guess I get why you're here and like, it hurts me to keep doing this, but I also can't imagine my life not doing it. Yeah. I think of like, um, finding someone on your level who you can yeah. get real advice from, who's living your real day-to-day struggles. Like I know when I have like, oh, Cora's sick, Cora's this, sometimes I'll text you, I'll text my friend Lee and I get advice because they're there, you're with me on that moment and you yeah. can really understand and give me that advice that I need. And it's like, like you said, who's on Taylor's level? Like yeah. she texts Harry, like two totally <laughs> yeah. different playing fields. Like there's just like, yeah. It, yeah. Well, and because it's like t- Taylor doesn't understand what we're going through. Yeah, because she, she never will. It's not her fault. Yeah, like she doesn't she's know not... what eggs cost. Like, why should she? Yeah, if she's, any she's of us not... had a chance to not know what eggs cost, we'd all take it. You know? Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and yet, she's still the one who's like, "Oh well, I I process my emotions. I guess I got to put a song about my, you know, cancer ridden mom on this album." Like, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, it's interesting to imagine what you'd do in that situation. Like, what? What is the line? And she has to figure that out on the own because she set up the rules herself. Like it's her mm-hmm. own, it's her own Frankenstein's monster at this point. She's fighting against herself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's why I think the anti-hero visuals are so interesting. And the fact that those are echoed on stage where she's like battling through the glass box or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, um, Lisa Jo Stewart on TikTok had an interesting theory about Dear Reader and sort of the um, comparison between Mastermind and this and sort of why Midnight's, the aesthetic is so like laid back. She's on a couch in short. She's like, you know, (laughs) she has incense burning. But then Midnight's as her public persona, being on stage, being on press tours, whatever, she's very sparkly. She's very glittery. She's like glammed up. And it feels like there's this disparate connection between mm-hmm. the writer and the performer and the real Taylor and the Taylor Allison Swift, like on stage. Mm-hmm. And I think that the contrast works here where you see them, Mastermind and, and Dear Reader, as completely separate tracks, but also they layer on top of each other almost perfectly because she is the mastermind. But that doesn't mean she's good at giving advice or taking it. Like she, mm-hmm. she's played the game well, but what does that get her, you know? It reminds me of like an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. Just a little bit of like yeah. a, a little Ashley O, I think, yeah. from, uh, from Miley Cyrus. Like, it's like yeah. oh. And yeah. I think it's a reminder too that like, you know, when Nights has gotten sort of criticized for being a little more shallow, but also being like kind of self-degrading or, or very introspective and it can feel kind of all over the place where it's like, I'm the antihero, but I'm still bejeweled or like, oh, he wanted it comfortable. I wanted that pain. And like, I wish I knew better. You know, it's it's like there's so much confusion at play. And I think um, this becomes the logical foundation where it's like she is giving advice. She's telling stories. She wants to build herself up, pretend she's boss, like be the man. But then also she's struggling. She's she's traumatized, she's reeling, and she doesn't know how to exactly um, balance that. She's still conflicted about it. And I think that's kind of what the Midnight's Journey was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Do you think she knew that from the start? Or did you think that she kind of uh, penned it all together after she started creating the album? I think it was always sort of meant to be like, I think re-recording your past albums and like facing those songs you wrote at very specific ages for very specific moments has to be sort of trippy Mm -hmm. and like being like I can't believe I confessed all this on red or you know with fearless and really laid it out there or whatever I think it would make you start to reflect and kind of question like was it worth it like what did this bring me what did it cost me type thing and so I don't know if Dear Reader was at all like one of the first tracks, but I do feel like the intention of Midnight's, the album, was meant to be this sort of mess of anxiety, both Mm -hmm. good, bad, excited. And um, I think this is kind of, I like that this is the last track on the late album where it's like, this is literally, you dig through all the shallow stuff, you dig through like the more instant concerns, and this is what's keeping her up the latest at night, Mm -hmm. right? Like she's like... This no is what's haunting her existential yeah. dread. <laughs> yeah. 
she closes it out on this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tay Tay. But oh. yeah. Like, I was surprised she sang Would Have, Could Have, Should Have, and I'm sad I missed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did not think. I remember when we did our um, <laughs> with our predictions, I was like, she's not playing Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. Yeah. She doesn't play Dear John, Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. Not on there. Yeah. I know. Because it's like, yeah. And, and I think she's, you know, I hope she's doing better at taking good advice and realizing, like, there's a happy medium in here, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, like, maybe that's what she's working through now with, like, her more public-facing, like, luncheons and dinner dates with friends and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out how to not be lonely without feeling like you're losing more of yourself to the public. Mm-hmm. Or to a partner. Or to a partner. Yeah. <laughs> Who will then decide it's too much and yeah. <laughs> dump you via a, a people update. But... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but yeah. well, kind of that's a depressing good. little downer here. I know. I mean, I think uh, that's life, right? Like, yeah. sure, Taylor has different problems than me, but I too have existential dread that keeps me up at night. <laughs> me too. My dread is I custom ordered this outfit from Nanny Bikini, mm-hmm. and she's not getting back to me to see if she's see if it's going to be sent to me. Oh no! By the thirteenth. I know. Oh no. We so gotta my, get it. Yeah, it's Ashley's dread. going to see Taylor Swift again on the thirteenth, and I have an outfit, and she's always sent it to me like to the hotel of where I'm going, like never oh, wow, like the week yeah. before. So I've always had this dread keeping yeah. me up at till three o'clock at night. Like, <laughs> am I gonna have an outfit? Am I gonna like, have to, to find wear? another? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And usually she like texts me that Monday to be like, "Oh, I'll probably have to send it to you," but I've like texted her on Monday. Oh, no. today. Text She's like, Ashley, I can't day. keep up with this. I've given you two gyms already. I know. But I'm like, I paid a lot <laughs> yeah. of money for this costume. No refunds. Yeah. Okay. Is she well, going to we, give it to me? When we stop no. the recording, you'll have to tell me what it is because I'm curious what you okay. have up your sleeve next. I mean, if I, if I, uh, if you guys, if I am wearing another outfit that is, uh, I've already worn, she did not <laughs> deliver. Yeah, but they're still great outfits, so you'll have a fun time regardless. Um, But yeah, I um, we have a few more tracks left on midnights, and then that'll carry us through to July seventh when we'll get new Speak Now, yes, era songs about who knows what. Honestly, Speak Now Taylor is kind of scary. She's very salty very out for blood as it were <laughs> john mayer run away yeah Excited. joe jonas too yeah. Yeah. better yeah. than revenge part all 10 minute version <laughs> i do wonder how she's going to if she's going to re-edit better than revenge i know i know oh, we'll have to see <laughs> oh we're gonna have to see oh well, I guess this is that, and we are ready to uh, to bid you guys adieu. I have no idea what I am going to say, but until next time, I'm Ashley. And I'm Shelby. And uh, these desperate prayers of a cursed podcast spilling out to you for free, you guys. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Too true. <laughs>